What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. Hopefully, you guys are all having a good 2023 so far, uh, and your training's going good. You're able to start hitting the mats and start accomplishing whatever goals that you have set. So I'm looking forward to hearing all your guys' accomplishments in this new year with Jiu-Jitsu or everything you're looking forward. So if you guys don't follow me on social media, make sure you do that at Jason Hill on Instagram or Twitter if you guys ever have any questions or just want to keep me updated on your journey. I love to hear about students' journey because to tell you the truth, just like any kind of business does, my goal with any kind of medium that I do, whether it's a podcast or YouTube channel or, you know, interview or whatever is to provide value to you guys as jujitsu students. And a lot of times me being a jujitsu black belt and have been training for 13 years, you know, I kind of get stuck in my own echo chamber. You know, I have, um, you know, experienced different things and different struggles that you guys may be coming up with right now might be different than mine, um, possibly. But my goal is to kind of help you guys. So if I don't know what kind of struggles you're having or what kind of information you guys are, are liking to listen or takes on to help you, then how am I going to produce content to give you guys and to be able to uh, provide any value? So um, a big part of that is when people reach out to me. So I have a couple of questions that people have reached out to me recently. So I kind of want to answer them and talk about them. Um, I know I have talked about some of these topics on previous podcasts, but just like all podcasts, you know, topics are going to come up again. Maybe you didn't remember my take, or maybe you haven't listened to that podcast yet, but that's why we're going to be here talking about it. So, um, yeah, anyway, so we'll start with a message I got on Instagram from one of my, one of the listeners of the podcast, his name is Connor. Hopefully I'm okay shouting out his name. But um, he asked, he just sent me a message, said, hey, man, I just found your podcast and I've been listening to the episodes. Have you ever had to change schools or encounter a bad coach? So personally, Connor, I have not. Um, you know, I, I've, I've given him a little bit about my background before. I was very lucky that my school that I currently actually teach and train out of is my original school that I started with. So I was very lucky I connected with my instructor who was just seemed to fit me um, and fit my goals and and we got along and we vibed and I like the atmosphere of the school. So I've never had to personally deal with it, but I've had to coach students through changing schools and I've even actually had to uh, in person, like I've coached students who have come from other schools into my school and I've actually had to coach students who are leaving my school, whether they're leaving because they are moving or they have maybe different goals that aren't aligned with the school that I teach and train out of. So um, I can maybe provide you a little bit of insight on that if that's what you're looking for. But just to answer the question, personally, no, I have never had to uh, change schools. And then um, the second part was, have I ever had a bad coach? Um like I said, my, my coach is, is great. Um, I don't, I don't obviously think he's a bad coach or I still, I still wouldn't be there. I have taken seminars and private lessons and seen instructors that I guess would, what I would consider a bad coach. And once again, I've, I've, I've seen, uh, or talked to other students who have had a bad coach, I guess that I would say without me personally seeing them. So I'll kind of give you the factors on, on that too. So first let's start with the 
uh, changing schools. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to know if you're interested in changing schools. Um, I did an episode not very long ago. Uh, I think the title of it was students switching be- between school or switching to school A or school B. And it kind of gave me, it kind of gave a little bit of my, my views about changing schools and kind of what to look for. But um, whenever you change schools, you you have to make sure that, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Um, and I don't say that in the sense of like, you know, loyalty forever, because definitely jujitsu is a, is a service-based product. And I'm always on the side of the customer of the student providing value. So if you don't feel like you're getting the value you want out of your money that you're paying for tuition, then definitely look into changing schools. But let's try not to maybe make the same mistake or the same error if I didn't do this on the first school. So usually most students, when they go check out a school, they will always pick based upon location 99% of the time. You know, when I was in school, I went to school for exercise science and management. And so we would talk about on the management side, we would talk about how to run a a fitness facility and just general things. And they did uh, several organizations have done very large surveys about how people select, you know, commercial gyms or or a place to work out or whatever. And by far, the number one factor is um, location is like how close you are to you. So like if you're if a gym's close to you, even if they don't have anything People are going to select it based upon location. Now, fitness gyms are all over the place versus jiu-jitsu gyms are not as much. But so location is is going to be a big reason why people select a gym. But I, I really encourage students whenever they're either new to jiu-jitsu, maybe they're looking to join for the first time or they're looking to change is do your homework and really expand your area of research because jiu-jitsu is an expensive hobby. And so you don't want to just pick based upon only location. You can't you can't make that your determining factor. If you've got three or four schools that are within like a 10-mile radius, you need to make sure you go try them out and check them out and see what your uh see what the vibes are. Most schools should have at least a couple of days of a trial. Some have like even a month free of a trial, so try out the classes. Also ask the instructors all kinds of questions about the school, like how do you guys determine belt promotions? Are you guys tournament focused? What, what kind of, um, you know, students, like what's the average age of a student? Like a lot of those key metrics are going to help you guys tell you the vibe of the school. If you see a lot of times, a lot of medals hanging all over the wall and the the instructor first off pitches, like how great their tournament team is and the champions and just all the stuff. I think they try to use that as a marketing pitch. And I think that's something to be proud of, but that's going to tell you kind of the school's vibe and their goal is going to be based upon that, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you kind of have to be ready for that environment. Um, if they're more family friendly, if a school usually comes in and is like, yeah, we have a lot of families that train here. You know, we have a lot of kids and moms and dads that all train together. Then that's going to be probably more of a, I don't, I would call it more of a friendly environment. Um, you know, because people have, that shows that they have families and they're not necessarily just focused on tournaments they're focused on other aspects of life. So I should tell you kind of the vibe and it's just about what you personally want. Um, I've trained in both environments. I mean, I've seen our school has actually changed. Um, it's funny. It usually always follows the instructor. Like when my, when I started, my instructor was a brown belt and he was in his early thirties whenever I came in. So the school was a lot harder 
um, rougher and not family friendly as much because he was competing a lot still. And then as he started to evolve and he started moving away from competing, you start servicing the people who are most like yourself. So then he started making it more family friendly. So that was kind of, I've seen the school change and evolve in that. And personally, I've run both styles of an academy and the family friendly one is a lot stress is a lot less stress. It's a lot easier to deal with students. Students expectations are way better. Um, but you know, you can, you can charge more for that type of clientele, but you also have to provide a better service. They want a clean gym. They want an organized gym. They want, you know, to know why they're doing all the things. You can't just say, Oh, just show up and everything gets better. That's not flying for them. The 23 year old, 24 year old, that will fly for a little bit more. So, you know, based upon your clientele or your students that you want to attract, you've got to set your gym up for that as well. That's a whole separate uh, episode in itself. But, you know, Connor, if you're looking to switch gyms, I would very much look for those kinds of things. First, you got to figure out what you want. Does that school service that? And ask lots of questions. Um, I have an interesting story about that. We just recently had a new student at my gym who started training with us and he had tried out a couple other schools in the area and unfortunately he had not had good experiences. Um, one thing that he brought up to me is he actually, I don't, I haven't really had this question a lot, but he was like, Hey, when I ask a question in class, how do you guys go about that? And I was trying to get more information. I was like, do you mean if you have a problem with a technique? He was like, yeah. I'm like, well, you just raise your hand and I'll, come over and help you. And he was like, so I'm allowed to ask questions. And I was like, absolutely. You should ask lots of questions. Now, don't be the guy that asked the 20 what if questions just to, you know, try to trip me up or like try to prove your point. But like, if you legitimately have a question, yes, please absolutely ask it. Cause I want to make sure you get the technique right. And, uh, he was like, well, the last school I was at, when I asked them a question about, you know, could this be used in a self-defense or could this be used in street only or can this be used only in the sport or in the gym? They just seemed like I was challenging them and I didn't. And all I wanted was just an answer of like, yes, it can be used in the street or no, it can't. And they just didn't really like when you asked questions. And I just thought that was really weird. Um, obviously, this is one side of the story. So who knows? Maybe he kept antagonizing. I don't get that vibe from the student, but you never know. It's one sided. And, uh, so there, but there are a lot of schools that, you know, you're not allowed to like look black belts in the eye. You're not allowed to really ask questions. You're not really like supposed to be spoken to unless they speak to you first. So those kinds of things, you know, bother people. And sometimes they don't bother people. Um, I'm not a big fan of them. That's not how I run my gym. So, you know, you got to take all those things into consideration and going back to my student with that story. Um, what's interesting is he's definitely, been traumatized from his jujitsu experience. So I'll tell you this, we were, we were sparring and we were, uh, rolling and, you know, he was, he was a white belt, but he'd been training for like two years. So he had, he had a couple of tricks up his sleeve, you know, and stuff, but I just noticed he was moving his feet a lot. Like when he was trying to pass the guard, he was just hopping around from left to right, left to right, left to right. And, you know, I asked him a simple question of after, after the round was over, you know, classing buzzer goes off and I could, and he was tired and, so we were kind of just catching our breath and I was like, Hey, why are you moving your feet so much? And he then proceeded to tell me, you know, his two stories of experience from his other schools and, 
And it was almost like he thought I was trying to like trip him up because he gave me this five minute long answer about how, you know, oh, well, I should be knowing more, but because this score treated me this way, I feel like I lack this, this, this. And I could tell it was a defense mechanism of his because he felt like at the other two schools, his previous experience, if he didn't explain himself to the detail, he was like going to get yelled at or going to get treated poorly or something. And literally I had to stop him and be like, hey, 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 I'm just asking you this because maybe you had some technique I've never seen before. And I was just curious if there was a reason why you're removing this much of your feet. And all he would have had to say was like, no, I don't know. Is that right? Is that wrong? Do you have any suggestions? And then we could have moved on. So we had to kind of have that conversation about like, hey, it's okay. I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm not trying to make you fail. I'm not trying to make you feel stupid. Because in jujitsu, if you don't have someone who you can trust or like accountability or someone like that to lead you along the way, jujitsu is very tough to be successful in and to be in. So, you know, if he's going to be a student at my school, I want all my students to trust me, to know that I have their best intention to know that I want them to succeed. I actually want really, my goal is I want every student by the time that they're a black belt to be like better than me. I want them to be able to tap me and beat me. That means that they have taken the information I have given them or passed to them and encouraged them to think outside the box or develop it better than me or find their own uniqueness. Right. So that should be the goal of every jujitsu instructor. Um, I don't, Personally, I don't really care if my students tap me. My goal is I'd be a fifth degree, sixth degree black belt and the uh, brand new black belt can come in and tap me because all of that knowledge I've been able to bestow on them and they know my weaknesses. So that would be awesome to do one day. But so Connor, going back to the original point about like schools and bad instructors, there's, there's all kinds of metrics with that. So that story I kind of just shared about the white belt I just dealt with, that could be an example of a bad instructor, someone who doesn't allow you to ask questions, someone who makes you feel dumb for asking questions, or someone who you think is going to like roast you if you do something wrong, right? So because like I said, this is a service-based industry, and you need to be able to um, know where your money's going to feel like it's a value. Now, some marks that I feel that is a good instructor in my personal opinion, not just the openness to asking questions, but when we talk about actually uh, teaching jujitsu, um, which is funny because you guys would think listening to this podcast or you, my YouTube channel, how I can kind of ramble, which I can, I absolutely know that, but I think that's what makes for good content is rambling because it's the truest form of thoughts. But when you're teaching jujitsu, um, less is more is my opinion. So if you guys think about this, like getting someone to a from point A to point B, the fastest way is a straight line. And if you put in a lot of fluff, if you put in a lot of filler, if you put in a lot of too many details, it's just a way that people can get off track and not travel in the straightest line possible. So whenever I teach jujitsu, whatever my goal is, if I'm teaching you an arm lock, if I'm teaching you a technique, my goal is to give you as little of information as possible but as essential as possible. So clear and concise and get you drilling it more and getting it going. So I look for those marks as, as an instructor, like are they able to convey the information clearly? Are they able to make it simple for everyone to understand? Is there a way that they can get you to remember it? Like those kinds of things in an instructor are very good. 
Um, if an instructor, for example, shows the technique once, one of my biggest pet peeves, I'm sorry, like I said, I like to ramble, go on tangents here, but it's like on YouTube. Like if I watch a YouTube video of a guy teaching a guard pass and it's a five minute video and they talk all the way through the technique without showing it to completion once, that is an absolute pet peeve of mine. So they'll like explain each piece and then by the time that they've completed the technique, then they've only showed the move once. And that's how a lot of guys teach jujitsu in class. And so you as a student have only seen the technique from start to end one time. Now the details that he's maybe giving are amazing. I'm not saying the details are bad and, and like everything they're saying is bad, but it's about visually seeing it. So the first thing I always do whenever I teach jujitsu is we call it a, a um, silent demo, basically where I will show the technique from start to end without even talking, and then I start talking about the details because a student needs to know what they're looking for whenever you're teaching the details. That simple trick right there can like up your value as a jiu-jitsu instructor by like 100%. If you can show the move more over and over, you can still give the same amount of details. Just keep showing the move over and over and over and over because that's more valuable than a lot of times the details. Students just need to see it. So those are the kind of things I look for in a good instructor. So that's what I mean by I've, I've seen bad instructors. Um, I've done seminars with, I would say, bad. Bad is a weird word, just not as good because they're not necessarily bad. Like I said, the details are giving are not bad or whatever. I, I guess a really bad instructor would just be someone who just doesn't care, you know, doesn't walk around, doesn't deal with any of that stuff. I guess there are metrics for bad. I guess I've never had a just truly bad, bad instructor. I've had good instructors. I've had great instructors. And then I've had um, just not, not as good instructors. But I've never been in an environment where I felt like I needed to quit. That's probably because of the environment I've started in jiu-jitsu. So Anyway, there's my thoughts on that. Thank you, Connor, for the uh, question. That's awesome. So if you guys ever have any questions, usually hitting me up on like Instagram is one of the best ways. My Instagram's in the show notes. So leave me a comment or um, send me a DM or something. Sometimes it goes into my hidden request and I, and I have to check those every now and then. Sometimes I forget if we're not friends or if I'm not following you. So be patient. And uh, yeah, you can even comment on one of my photos, that's a little trick. If you say, Hey, I sent you a DM. Can you check it out? I'll, I'll get to it a lot faster because I can see it in my comments on one of my posts or something. So anyway, um, hopefully you guys are having a good 2023 so far. Remember if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, please do so. If you haven't left me a review, come on now, please help me out. Especially if you've listened to multiple episodes, go to Spotify, leave it five stars. If you're listening on Apple, write me a little nice review. Um, I know some people have listened, they listen on Audible or Google. I honestly haven't checked those ratings. I don't know if those are good or bad. Hopefully they're good, but leave me any kind of rating that you kind of can. Um, it really does help people make a decision to listen to the podcast when there are more reviews. So I appreciate your guys' support. I appreciate you tuning in and I will see you guys next time.